Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this uh, public lecture organized by the Hellenic Observatory here at the London School of Economics. Uh, we have a proud record with the Hellenic Observatory of hosting many leading figures uh, from Greece, from different walks of life, different parties, etc. As many of you know, our guest tonight is someone who we might say is in the eye of the storm in terms of public uh, debates. Um, there have been controversies about the proposals that the government has made uh, for Greek universities uh, in particular, which are well known. For this public event, we have invited uh, Many of you uh, here, the tickets have been freely available. And uh, I think that is right in a public lecture. We've made available the tickets to anyone interested to come and hear, anyone interested in participating in the debates. So we look forward to a serious debate. The format for this evening is that in a moment I'm going to invite our guests to make uh, a brief presentation on the uh, chosen topic. I'm then going to follow that up from the chair here by asking one or two questions, and then I'm going to open it up to you, the audience, to ask questions uh, that you uh, wish. So the format of the evening is designed uh, to allow plenty of time for discussion and to therefore have a free and open uh, discussion. And this is right, I think, because the LSE has a proud tradition of uh, supporting speakers from different walks of life, different political views, of supporting in that essentially an environment of free speech. Let me now say a few words about our guest, the Minister of Education, Minister for Education, Lifelong Learning and Religious Affairs, Mrs. Anna Diamandopoulou. In recent times, fortunately, Greece has seen uh, a number of women rise to the top in politics. But I guess to do so still takes an exceptional combination of personal qualities. By reputation, Mrs. Diamandopoulou is a determined politician with a vision of what she wants to achieve, the position of Minister of Education in Greek politics over time has not been an easy one. If we think in recent years, decades in fact, of uh, the turnover of Ministers of Education, the controversies they've faced, uh, it has been a political job of some exceptional challenge. But Mrs. Dimandopoulou brings to the job uh, an unusual breadth of political experience. She started uh, being trained in engineering. And I guess if you needed an excuse as to why you didn't become a student at the London School of Economics, having studied engineering is probably an acceptable excuse, uh, at least for this evening. Uh, she was first elected a member of parliament in 1990. Sorry, and you studied economics, I, absolutely, and regional uh, developments, I think, as well. Uh, she has been a member of Parliament, uh, as many of you know, for a number of years. Uh, she also served in the European Commission under Romano Prodi, 
uh, and she gained much credits in Brussels uh, for her work as Commissioner uh, for Employment and Social Affairs. She has, of course, been Minister of Education since September 2009. Uh, in this post, as Minister of Education, she has championed the need for Greece uh, to adapt to the knowledge economy, to embrace innovation, and uh, to see that as being linked to economic uh, growth, a more secure economic uh, future. A few months ago, we were delighted to host her colleague, Yorgos Papakonstantinou, the Minister of Economics and Finance, uh, for a debate about Greece's debt crisis. And we had a very good discussion at that stage. So I'm delighted to welcome Mrs. Dimandopoulou to tell us how she thinks the role of education can contribute uh, to securing a better development path uh, for Greece, uh, to develop uh, education as a means of uh, helping to ameliorate uh, the economic crisis in Greece. So uh, without further ado, uh, can you please join me in giving a very warm welcome to our guest this evening, Anna Dimandopoulou. If uh, Charles Dickens was invited to write a novel about Greece, he would probably start by combining the titles of uh, two of his uh, more famous novels, Hard Times and Great Expectations. <laughs> Distinguished guests, dear students, I'm very happy that there are many students here. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It is a great pleasure to speak in front of such a distinguished audience in the famous London School of Economics and Political Science. Professor Featherstone, I would like to thank you for this invitation, and uh, it's really a honor for me. As we have gathered here tonight, I would like to share with you a few, a few thoughts on how we are reshaping and redefining our education system in Greece as the only responsible way of making sure that our country never looks back. The, Greece, the Greek crisis, as it was initially known, quickly became a European crisis, and it threatened the entire edifice unless some new thinking was introduced and new measures were adopted. So first, and because I have been a commissioner for many years, a word about the European context and the strides Europe has made under the most adverse circumstances, because the Greek crisis was part of a huge European problem and an and, and international crisis. I would like very briefly just to refer to three considerations. The first is that what we have seen the last few months reaffirms that the creation of Euro is not just an economic project. The Euro is a political and institutional process of integration aimed at achieving a, a dynamic equilibrium. Euro is a policy and it has to do with the future of Europe. The second issue has to do with 
the decision of the Europeans not to accept to defeat by this crisis. And they, they have proved that Europe rose above short-term and short-sighted political considerations. My third point is that we have to note how we moved from an extraordinary, extraordinary support to, uh, to Greece, an extraordinary, extraordinary package for support uh, to Greece, to a bailout fund for the whole of, Euro of the Eurozone, up to current discussions whether such a mechanism should become permanent. I have traditionally, for years, been a Europeanist. I mean, today there are so few Europeanist politicians in all member states, not only in Great Britain. I have traditionally supported the idea of more and better Europe. And I believe that these recent developments are very reassuring. Before I go to uh, a further detail, allow me to remind you the, Greece, the Greek situation these past few months, how Greece was since we came to power, facts that are today conventional wisdom and public knowledge. When speaking about the Greek economy, it is integral to recall the situation the present government inherited a little more than a year ago. An overwhelming national debt resulting from chronic mismanagement, a global image tarnished by lack of credibility and transparency, no credit faith, decreasing competitiveness, and grow, growing skepticism on and off the rector from all the EU partners. All of the above were linked with failed policies a deeply rooted clientistic system which hindered reform while protecting special interests linked to the election cycle. Obviously, it was not a good starting point for the government. Great challenges were soon enough knocking on our door. We needed to address them in a, fa in a very fast, efficient, and productive way. From January 2010, we wasted no time. We rolled up our slips, got to work, and within a few months, we reached a turning point where doubt and disbelief gave way to global understanding as we were still striving to return to the age of acceptance. As the year 2010 has ended, we managed to decrease the country's deficit by an impressive 6% of GDP. As you may understand, the scale and pace at which reforms are implemented is unprecedented, and our recovery strategy is already bearing fruit. We achieved this by switching the multidimensional model of governance. Practically, this means that instead of focusing solely or minimizing our uh, national debt, we chose to radically and simultaneously carry out a number of what I could say revolutionary changes and reforms. They took place 
in, on multiple fronts. <coughs> Labor market, justice, social security, taxation, health system, and education. I understand very well that when we use the, the word revolution or revolutionary, somebody can give many different notions and explanations. But take into account a country, think of a country, which in May 2010 had no money to give to the retired people, had no money for salaries, and a government who had to go on with changes in all fronts at the same time. We still have a long way to go, but enough with the past. As we try to envision the future, please allow me to speak about Greece's promise, and this is education. We, save, we have a saying in Greece, which uh, we have adopted as a, a national motto, which of course sounds better in Greek, but I think uh, uh, this meaning is pretty straightforward in English as well. And it is, uh, we change education, we change Greece. Notice that there are no conditional ifs and buts in this saying. We leave no space for discounting policies. What education can do for Greece, the memorandum of understanding with the ECB, the European Commission and the IMF, what we say, what we call notoriously mnemonion, cannot do. It is the education who can change things. Education reform is free from numbers pressed upon us. It is up to us to take advantage of this. I may call it policy independence in order to define a new vision and instill a renewed sense of mission. We move along five basic principles for change. First, children come first. This means a shift in the way we plan and implement policies in primary, secondary, and primary um, uh, education. And it is a, a, a shift from educators-focused policies to students-focused policies. For many in this, um, in this room, people, it is easy understandable what I mean, because for years, we planned and we implemented policies and we had in the center of our policies everybody else except children. Second, as we seek for each student to excel, we are changing our teaching patterns and, and methods in order to make sure that students learn how to learn. <laughs> this is a, chain in the, a change in the DNA of our educational system. We want young people to learn how to create, how to innovate, how to think critically, how to challenge reality. This is not an easy task. It takes time, but we have to start and we have already put the foundations for that. I'll give, I'll give concrete examples. Third, we open our education to the world we are defining the links between the classroom, the local community, and the international community. 
the digital school is one of the biggest challenges in this reform. Fourth, as we change our education system, we renew and safeguard values that preserve character. These uh, are principles and values as compassion, accountability, integrity, responsibility, meritocracy, in order to reshape our sense of citizenship. Dear friends, we know very well in Greece that the crisis is not just because of bad economic policies. It's not just a matter of bad politicians. It is a matter of principles and values which had changed, dramatically changed, for all citizens during the last 30, 35 years. And as we try to change our education, we also send a clear message that we feel responsible for what has been done. And we intend to give back to the Greek people not only the, the, the lost ground, but newer, higher peaks to be conquered. Naturally, it, it is not just a work of a ministry, but the determination of the political system to at least try for change, to, to decide and reaffirm that politics aside, we cannot afford anymore the educational field to be a field of war between parties, stakeholders, syndicates. During the last year, we have made significant steps towards incorporating the aforementioned principles into our policies. So just to give you an idea, in one year, we radically changed all the curricula of all classes in primary and secondary school. We changed teaching methods in primary and secondary education. We have already launched since last September new curricula and pilot methods in the 30% of pupils in primary schools. We have decided to put our pencils down and speed up into the computer age. And coming back again to what I said before, and a few people laughed, and I understand why, I'll give you a number. According to the European statistics, to the European studies, in the ranking of the countries concerning the links between the digital uh, society and the schools, how the digital society is implemented in schools, Greece was 25 out of 27 European countries. So we have really to have a small revolution in each class in order to change the situation. So in one year, thank you, it's a, it's a great goal. <laughs> so in one year, we have digitalized the content, all teaching content in all classes. We have started equipping schools with interactive boards. We have already digital courses in different disciplines. And we are one of the first 
uh, the first countries in Europe, that we have class courses in maths, in ancient Greeks, in physics, in biology, in biology and in um, history. We have already put in place a huge training program for teachers, for 100,000 teachers, which is about 57% uh, of the whole number of the total of the total population of primary and secondary teachers. We developed passed, passed a, a new uh, a new law and implemented a strategy a new and uh, complete strategy for lifelong learning. We have already announced and implemented a national strategy for lifelong learning with a budget of 2.0 billion euros. And we have a quantitative goal to double the population which participates in lifelong learning projects up to 2013. Regarding research and development, although in truth there are limited examples of homegrown Greek success, no one can doubt the inherent ability that is to be found in Greece. I was amazed during a recent visit in Silicon Valley to discover that in California, the world genius and the Greek still often come together. We are going to harness that power. To this end, scientists of Greek origin that have either worked in labs or have assisted government policy have come together and joined us in an effort to turn Greece in a national cluster. We aim to attract the best and the brightest as we offer them support, and there are some concrete projects in the pipeline now, to support, to develop projects, ideas, and solutions for which our nation can sooner rather than later be proud of. We are adapting for our tenders, including evaluation, new standards and procedures. In one year, we changed all standards and procedures concerning uh, the projects of, uh, of research uh, in the country. And we have adapted them to the European Research Council uh, standards. So the, the next big plan after research is what uh, Mr. Featherstone has already said, which is uh, the reform in universities. Reform in universities is really one of the biggest projects. We started the public consultation last June. We had uh, worked closely with uh, the universities, with the parliament, with all stakeholders. We have established a committee where all parties participate. We have uh, a national board of, uh, for education where the debate is going on. And we are going to present a piece of law in March where there is uh, a very, but very deep reform concerning the, the change in the model of uh, governing of governance of the universities. And this is one of our major problems. There are so many silly things around uh, this reform, silly things which are said, that we are going to privatize the universities, that we are going to have fees in the universities. Not at all. We have a very concrete constitution. The universities are public, 
and there are no fees in the Greek universities. What we have to change is the way that the administration and the decision-making process is taking place in the Greek universities. So there are some very concrete uh, principles of this reform I'm going to refer in a few words. First of all, we need to bring Greek higher education institutions into the international mainstream. International exchange programs, new programs, joint programs, visiting professors from abroad. Maybe we are the only country that we do not allow professors from other universities, from other countries to come to our universities. Greek visiting professors to uh, other countries. All these things which are totally necessary to open the channels of communication and place Greece and its students into a global intellectual powerhouse. Second, we will tune our university to societal and market needs. There, were, there was for years a discussion in the country that we must not link the universities with the labor market and with the market. Knowledge is important, but in today's globally competitive world and investment environment, there is a need for competitive skills and our students and our young generation needs it now. Third, as common sense, as it may sound, we are setting up an evaluation and appraisal system for the entire higher education system. Again, to give you an, a, a figure, a number, just to understand what the starting point is. Among the 499 departments in universities and, techno and technological institutions, there are only five which can be evaluated by external evaluators. <laughs> Through fairness and objectivity, we aim to evaluate every department for each performance and every euro spent. So we are, we are going to link the evaluation process with the financing system. <laughs> Finally, by changing the administrative structure of our universities along the lines of reforms throughout Europe during the last decade, we are seeing the governance structures from many of the inefficiencies of the past. I think there are so many people who know uh, all these inefficiencies and what I mean by that for the Greek universities. It is true that many times the Minister of Education in Greece has to do more with justice and civil protection than with the education, the real education issues. All these changes I have just described are pieces of the same puzzle. There are pieces of the puzzle that we want to put together for, to, to, to form a contemporary competitive education system and the image of a new country ready to move as it builds a new future. One that is based on knowledge, innovative ideas, creative people, and new market force. Of course, we need to be realistic. 
We have huge economic problems, and not only. As I told you, there are so many different reforms at the same time, and there are so many difficulties that the, go the government has to carry on. In times of limited resources, known inadequacies of the public sector, I am well aware of the need to be specific and practical. That's why, for each specific goal, we have the resources needed, and I must uh, underline here that most of these resources is from the European funds, and we have concentrated all these resources to the need of implementing the reforms. And of course, there is a roadmap with a timetable. Time and uh, I have announced them since last February. As I, sum, as I sum up, I would like to address you, and uh, I would like specifically speak to the minds and hearts of the Greek students present among us. I would like to send you a clear message. You have felt the need, as you have every right to do, to do so, to pursue education beyond the borders of our country. I want to repeat and to make clear that Greece, that Greece is a country which belongs to you as well. It is our responsibility as a government to provide you with opportunity. It is your responsibility when this opportunity is provided to offer some reconsideration to returning and joining the effort in reshaping our country's future. This is our common dream. Thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, before I open it up to the audience to make their uh, questions, I wonder if I could just pick up on uh, a few things that you've mentioned. Um, perhaps the most controversial aspects uh, at the moment is the position with universities. Um, I guess one of the phrases which we hear so regularly is that politics is the art of the possible. Uh, and many of your predecessors, I think, have um, met with failure. Uh, it is difficult in a time of austerity, economic uh, difficulty, uh, to overcome uh, these uh, problems of the educational, of the university system. You said yourself that in your speech that universities in Greece for too long have been, quote, a field of war. The kind of changes that you've outlined seem to take, seem to need a lot of time. Why should we be optimistic that this time you're actually going to be able to implement the reforms that you're talking about? Um, to be to be very frank, I'm neither optimistic nor uh, pessimistic. I'm realistic. Uh, what uh, is going uh, on now in our country is that we know that uh, we cannot continue with this type of functioning of universities. 
It is uh, understandable by the professors, by the students, by the parties, and by the common opinion. Uh, a, a week ago, we had a public opinion poll where 92% of the people want change in the universities. So the government has made a proposal. It is, uh, I admit that it is a very deep reform. We change everything. We change the basic uh, principle of functioning of the universities. And what we do now is to bring in the Greek universities the model that uh, more or less is the reality in 22 out of the 27 uh, countries in, in Europe. It cannot, it, it takes time. We cannot do it uh, in one year. So there will be transitional periods. We are going to present the law. Uh, as I told you, it is more than six months that we have a consultation. And then there will be a transitional period for each university to adapt. And what we'll try, and it will be the, it, it will be the first time that we'll do that, it is that it will not be one law and one form for all universities, because this is what happens now in Greece. We have huge universities, as the Athens University or Thessaloniki University. We have a, a university in Ireland, which is totally different, a university in a GNC or Ionian University, and we have the same form of functioning. So it is almost impossible. So we'll give to each university the possibility to adapt its model to its needs and, and, and to its problems. I believe that because of the understanding and the will for change. Because for the fa of the fact that until now we have not other proposal. We have many no's and many yes, but no other proposal on the table. And because of the transitional periods, this time things uh, will be successful. Okay, thank you. I wonder if we could switch to your emphasis on the knowledge economy and Greece raising its performance in terms of uh, research. I guess uh, there is a large number of skilled, young, educated Greeks who feel excluded. How can you move forward with uh, a momentum which makes them feel engaged in your endeavour and overcome that sense of frustration that this time it's not going to be any, di any different? You're right. There are so many young people who feel excluded. And uh, the first reason is the lack of meritocracy. And we all, and I am myself, because I'm part of the political system, were responsible that all these young people feel that in this country there was no meritocracy. So what we try to do, and uh, you have seen it uh, by yourself, is to, to change all procedures. Now we have uh, organized a huge program for postdoc. I mean, uh, it is for more, more than 2,000 people, young people now, that they are going to be uh, subsidized. And we want them back to Greece, if they are from universities or from abroad, we want them back to Greece. We are going to uh, finance them for three years. And uh, we are going to finance young people to go abroad, so to have this osmosis between Greek and, and foreign universities. The procedures will be totally unmarried. I mean, all proposals will be in, um, in the internet, all in English, 
the evaluators will be international uh, personalities and everybody can see its procedure in the internet. So I believe that it will be a, a push, uh, move forward for many young people to come back uh, to the Greek uh, universities. And now we prepare a second huge, again, project which uh, more or less uh, be uh, according to what ERC programs are. And again, we'll be... Sorry, the European Research Council. Yes, sorry, the European Research Council. And again, it will be about young people who are between 2 and 12 years after they have finished their, uh, their studies. And again, we'll finance them for research programs as teams. So we try to invent and to put in uh, the pipeline projects concerning this young generation, these very uh, well-educated and with so many skills young people, uh, and to bring them from abroad inside. You mentioned uh, a limited involvement on my part. I certainly would confirm what you've said in terms of the emphasis, the priority to more meritocratic uh, procedures uh, and um, of emphasizing new ways of uh, developing uh, a, research, a strong research base. So on the limited basis of what I've seen, I would certainly endorse uh, your emphasis on more open meritocratic uh, procedures uh, and therefore an opportunity for all Appropriately, appropriately skilled to be engaged. Could I perhaps ask one final question before inviting the audience? As you look to the, to the future, uh, five or ten years, some uh, time scale in the, in the future, what would you take as the evidence of success or, and progress in terms of the objectives you've set? How would you uh, be able to look back in five or ten years' time and say, these are the key indicators, these are the key measures which prove that we did achieve something? Uh, you said that um, university reform is always the most uh, uh, difficult. difficult and the controversial one. Uh, this is not true. I mean... Uh, this is always something which is uh, very, very easy for journalists, for channels, for public debate, etc. I think what it is more difficult the universities is the change in the primary and secondary schools. Now we have um, in, uh, in the pipeline this huge program of changing all curricula of all classes, taking into account that we change the maths, the history, which is always a very hot issue in our country, yeah. the uh, language, uh, the modern Greek, the ancient Greek, the physics, and we change not only the content, but the way, the methods, and this was one of the huge problems <coughs> we have in our educational system. So, what will be a, a success, and I will be very concrete in 10 years, is that uh, Greek children of 15 years old uh, will be among the three first countries in the PISA ranking until the last three that we are today. And we'll succeed it. Thank you. Uh, I think we've just heard a commitment to come back to the LSE in 10 years' time and uh, discuss <laughs> that evidence. Uh, well, we, we like to project forward with the programs of the Hellenic Observatory. Um, okay, we now have the opportunity of opening it up uh, to questions from the audience. We'll try to get as many as possible. 
Uh, we haven't arranged this. Could I suggest that we take perhaps three questions at a time? This uh, paper, if you need it. Can we, there is a microphone. Uh, if you could come to the gentleman with the great T-shirt here. If you could wait for the microphone and simply say who you are and then ask a question, please. Hello, my name is Dimitris Tomopoulos. I'm an LSE alumni. Thank you very much for your talk. It was very interesting. Although I heard a lot about meritocracy, especially about the change in curricula in elementary and secondary education, one thing is I would love you to give us a concrete example of how the process of changing and the process of teaching maths, history, ancient Greek will change. And second, I was really saddened not to hear a single comment in the future and when it will become reality, the separation of church and state. I think it is crucially important. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I think it is crucially important in a country when it wants to develop critical thinking to start from primary education. It is impossible to indoctrinate children into a specific religion while a constitution should change. And it is impossible to continue throughout our education having a religious background when we want to promote critical thinking and to open up to the world. This would be my two comments. Thank you. Okay, thanks. There's a gentleman in the middle here. Uh, sorry, if you can go back if you were. The gentleman, yeah. Hi, uh, Sean O'Halloran. I'm a student going to university next year. Um, you say that if we change education, we change Greece. Um, this sounds suspiciously similar to the comments made by an ex-British Prime Minister whose focus was on education, education, education. That same Prime Minister, a few months later, introduced tuition fees, um, which have caused uh, countless British, British students to... Um, which have caused countless British students to rack up thousands of pounds worth of debt. My very frank question is, does Greece plan on introducing a UK-style uh, tuition fee system to its universities, or does it, does it plan on encouraging universities to charge themselves that tuition fees uh, for students' education? Okay. Thank you. you. You said that you're coming to the LSE next year? <laughs> Sorry? I, I, I missed it. Sorry. You're at Cambridge? Yes, okay, I was asking, anyway, okay. <laughs> I think I lost that one, actually. Um, there's the gentleman uh, next to you here, please. Um, you mentioned, Mrs. Yamadopoulou, about, uh, you referred to the new research projects, the postdoc, Thales, Archimedes, and all that, and the novel means of, uh, for their assessment, and you mentioned the examples of uh, homegrown talent, academic talent in Greece. Um, these funding schemes have definitely been very welcomed by a college, academic college in Greece. It's a, an innovation that seems to, uh, uh, to break many years of dearth of funding and so on. They're very encouraging. However, uh, as an evaluator myself, and having conferred with a number of other evaluators before I came to this meeting, it is very clear that Greece is full of many academics, very talented, able to write composed top-caliber papers, Unfortunately, though, they're not, they don't have the experience or the training 
to write research proposals. They can't focus them, it's very difficult to title them and so on. So my question is twofold. Are you aware of this issue? And if so, what do you think can be done and in what time scale to ensure that these people can actually utilize whatever funding is available? Okay, thanks. Should we pause there? Do you want to take the first question? Our guest uh, very nicely introduced two questions instead of one. Uh, one was about uh, how we can change teaching in uh, particular subjects like mm-hmm. mathematics, etc. Concrete, Concrete examples of how teaching may change. Uh, and secondly, about the church and state uh, separation. I will give you a very, um, it is an example and it is the axis of the change at the same time. What is the situation now, for example, in maths, in our history? Let's take uh, the children of the second class of gymnasium. They have mathematics. How do we define the content of mathematics in this class? It is a book and it is from page 2 to page 42. And in the meantime, uh, the minister every year signs a concrete uh, engiclio, which says that paragraph of uh, page 23, uh, uh, paragraph of page uh, 27. And this is what the teachers are obliged to teach. And this has been catastrophic. Now what we do, of course we don't reinvent the wheel, we do what uh, is the, the case in the most successful countries in, uh, according to the PISA uh, ranking. Uh, we have goals, concrete uh, educational goals for each class for the children. For example, children in uh, 12 years old in, uh, in uh, the second uh, class of gymnasium have to know this and this and this. And the teachers will be very free to use uh, material, to to use educational material from the internet and uh, from books. And they can organize their own menu and they can work in different ways with the children. And of course, there will be the evaluation of the classes and of the teachers in order to check and to improve year by year. We have, uh, uh, this September, we'll have the pilot project for this kind of methods, and uh, we'll try it in all classes of uh, primary and secondary school. Now, your second question, which is uh, a very difficult one, of course. I suspect if you thought the answer was simple, you wouldn't have asked the question. So, so, if the question is uh, yes or no, the answer is yes. Is it as simple as that? When we come now, how we implement this policy? What we have organized, because we know that the uh, relationship between the church and uh, the state, it is not only in the educational field, it's not only the religious, uh, the, the lesson of Frischeftika in, uh, in gymnasium and primary school. It has to do with economic issues, it has to do with uh, 
the environmental issues. I mean, uh, there are so many problems with, uh, not environmental, with the Ministry of Environment of the Church, because there are so many of the fortune of the Church uh, where we are, there are very complicated issues. And uh, there are uh, areas uh, almost in all fields. As far as the education system is concerned, in all countries, no, in, in the majority of, uh, of the European countries, there is this lesson, there is the discipline of uh, religious issues, but of course they have changed the context. This is what we are going to do now. When I said that we work in the curricula of all lessons, this is what I mean. We are going to teach, I don't know if the word thrisciology is this, no, it is, what is thrisciologia is in, in, in English. Religious studies. I don't know. Religious studies. Not exactly, but what I mean is that we have to teach to the children all religious. They must compare, they must learn. On a church-free context. On a church-free context. And at the same time, and at the same time, we have, because we are a country with an orthodox, not only religion, but a culture as well. Because religious has to do with the culture, with the identity where we belong. There are so many different issues. So we have to give and to concentrate on issues which have to do with our national history and culture, etc., and at the same time to give to the uh, pupils and to the students the possibility to learn, to know, to convert, and, and in the end to decide what they want to do in, in their lives. And this is one of the most interesting discussions which will start in March when we will present the content of this new program in uh, the, uh, the lesson of the religions uh, issues. Now, our friend, uh, um, you said that you are from Cambridge. No. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, your question, I, I don't understand uh, your fear. Uh, your, your question is if in Greece we have tuition fees in, uh, in the universities. Whether, whether you might plan to introduce okay. fees. Because I think I was very clear, our constitution is very strict, does not allow any kind of fees. So um, I don't know if um, the, or don't I know, I know that the British, uh, British government can decide and it depends on which, uh, uh, which party is in the governance to decide this or that. But in Greece things are quite different. No government can decide about this because it is a matter of the constitution there are public universities, and it is free. Uh, the education is free. And you so have no. One hundred percent education, further education in in Greece will always, always be free. For yes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> your uh, the the your your. Um, The third question was yes, about, the third question uh, was about, about research, uh, funding, research proposals. Um, the writing of the research proposals. To be proposal. frank with you, I was not aware that uh, there is such a problem that they do not know how to, to write research proposals and they are not uh, good in that. Could I, I can understand that because... Sorry? Could I just uh, mm. possibly add a footnote? Uh, perhaps like you, 
I'm a, an evaluator. In fact, one of the tasks I have to do this week is to look at some proposals. It's not obvious to me that there is a problem of people writing research propose, proposals. Uh, presumably this is something which develops over time and financial incentives um, help quite considerably to uh, learn how to write uh, proposals. Uh, on the opposite, I thought that uh, Greek professors were quite good on that because, uh, as you know, we're among the countries with the highest percentage of acceptance in the ERC projects. Uh, we are a small country, we have a small number comparing with others of researchers, but we have a very, a very high um, percentage of acceptance. But uh, if you say that, I'm open to have your comments, concrete comments, to discuss them with the research community. What it is very important for us now is to open these uh, procedures to all Greeks and uh, international evaluators in the world. That I think that this osmosis will support us and will help uh, not only the the government and the procedures, but the professors themselves. But it will be helpful for me if, you, if I could have your comments about it. Okay, let's take uh, another round of questions. There's a gentleman right at the very back uh, on the... Yes, thank you. Thank you for taking my question. <clears throat> um, yeah, you talked about marketization and or, you know, being in line with the market with higher education. That's something that's very familiar with a lot of students in this room. Because under that guise, recently, uh, the UK government slashed um, all humanities, arts, and social science funding. Um, as you know, the, the LSE is a social science institution. So nearly 100% of our funding was slashed because under the same rhetoric you're using about marketization, they use that rhetoric to justify slashing our entire teaching grants. So I, my question to you is, how do you stand here and defend a policy that'll, that'll institute the same kinds of policies in, in Greece, and two, will you stand here and, and actually defend no cutting to social science, arts, and the humanities? I want to respond to that. Thank you. Okay. Okay. If every, if every question is going to get applause, we may uh, reduce the time for the answer. Can I answer. ask something? Okay. Is it clear that I'm a Greek minister? <laughs> okay, more questions. Gentlemen uh, at the very front, please. Uh, hello, I'm uh, Chris Tsoukis from uh, the Hellenic Observatory here and the London Metropolitan University. Uh, Minister, we note uh, with interest uh, your plans for uh, a new era in uh, Greek university. So what about the issue of asylum, which I would characterize as an open wound in Greek university? It, once upon a time, maybe it was a useful um, development. Now it's an open wound. Uh, it seems to me um, that you have the political courage, there is the parliamentary majority there, if you want it, for outright abolition. Perhaps with a transitional period, because there are a lot of issues to be considered. But why not? Uh, um, you uh, had an interview, an interesting interview with um, the NEA Daily the other day, where you uh, set out uh, interesting proposals 
Uh, but it seems it seems to me that you are not prepared to go all the way for abolition, and uh, all I'm asking is why not? Okay. I wonder if I could simply. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I wonder if I could simply add one sentence of context there for the non-Greek members of the audience. Um, the point about asylum is that uh, the police cannot enter uh, universities in Greece except by invitation of uh, the, the rectors uh, and that um, this has caused uh, much controversy in recent times. Okay, uh, could we have the question from the gentleman uh, with the uh, spectacles and his arm up in front of you now, please? Okay. It's you, sir. Thank you. Um, so um, I'm Saks Mandalaris, I'm professor of chemical engineering at Imperial, and I have an actually a simple question. Uh, it has nothing to do with the changes that you're trying to implement. I want to focus on two concepts that you introduced, uh, European integration, and uh, uh, the other one has to do with uh, LSE being a world-class university, and then a concept that uh, Professor Featherstone discussed, which is, um, has to do with uh, um, um, the, the, the notion uh, of the future. So what, uh, have you started thinking of what you're going to implement uh, for the year 2050? What uh, will Greece look like? Uh, are we going to be uh, a part of a united Europe? What is the notion of Greek university then? Uh, instead of actually discussing okay. a Greek university then. Um, so, what are the real changes that you want uh, to make uh, to leave a real leg legacy for the future instead of changes that should have been discussed and done 20 years ago? Okay, thanks. Should we take uh, one more question in this round? The chap uh, on that row uh, here, yeah. Hello, um, I'm Nicola, LSE student. Um, you talked about the need of making the image of Greece internationally better and more transparent at the beginning. How would you comment on the last week uh, uh, European Court of Human Rights judgment on, of MSS versus Greece and Belgium that held that Greece responsible for widespread and systematic inhuman and degraded treatment of, of asylum seekers and the massive uh, hunger strikes of immigrants uh, going on at the moment. Okay, so the, the first question was uh, inviting you to um, respond to the question of whether you have any intention of cutting expenditure in Greek universities for the humanities and the social sciences. Because um, uh, Again, I would like to be very frank, because of uh, the economic crisis and the situation of the country, we have um, an horizontal uh, cut in uh, universities, it's about 20%. So we really had difficulties, and of course it was an horizontal one for all sciences and for all universities. I don't know why there is a particular question on this uh, category of scientists, because uh, we do concentrate and focus on that. It is a legacy in our country, in, in our universities. I mean, classic studies, classical studies. You know that it is um, the diamond of the ring in the Greek universities, something that we invest very much as a country. It is our culture. And uh, what we do now in uh, our new proposal 
is that uh, there is um, uh, a common uh, fund in the university where there are income and revenues from uh, patents and from uh, profitable um, projects of the universities, particularly from polytechnic schools and from uh, uh, medicine schools or biology schools, and they are obliged to put all together and to give part of them to the uh, human uh, scientists and classical studies. So uh, not only we do, we do not intend to cut them, but we find ways to uh, support them because they cannot have uh, money as other studies and other sciences have. Now, uh, asylum. Asylum. Uh, it is a very Greek, um, very Greek issue. Uh, first of all, I think uh, that uh, giving you an example what happened yesterday, I'll try to give you an answer. Yesterday and after the <coughs> unrest we have with the problem of occupation in uh, the faculty, in the law school and from immigrants, etc., there were exams in the uh, law school. During the examinations, uh, 30 young people, 30 students, came inside the room. They stopped everybody. They started to speak about the immigrants and the change of the need to change politics, etc. And when there was a protest of some students who wanted to finish their studies, they more or less attacked violently to them. Sorry? They used tear gas. They tear gas. Tear gas. I don't understand. You say that the there was nothing. There was nothing. Nothing. I mean, they they scratched the they the they went to the place they were eating and they scratched the the, the pages. They stopped the exams. This was okay, okay. nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. But but the exams stopped. There were no examinations. No, no, they didn't. No, no, no. I know very well. <laughs> okay, we have so, a clear question. Let's, let's see. No, no, okay, let's see both. Let's say a scenario that it stopped and a scenario that it didn't stop. So, what was the discussion that immediately started? That this is a reason why we have to decide to stop the asylum. And I bring the following question. What should we do if there, are, if, if there are events like that? We have to call police, and uh, the police with the gun will come in the, uh, in, in the, in the rooms and the classes of the university, and uh, the police will be obliged to put an order? No, we cannot accept that. We cannot say as a democratic uh, society, as a democratic system, that we need police to put an order in our, in our universities. But at the same time, we cannot say that we will not do anything because there are very concrete steps. And this is what we uh, propose now with the new model of, uh, of governance of, uh, of the university. What I mean by that? First of all, you are now in this, uh, in this building of London School of Economics. 
Can everybody enter the room? Not of course. There is the students can enter, people who have an invitation can enter, but not any time, any kind of people. So the first and basic thing what the new council will, will do is that there were protection services in all universities, something which is so simple. I mean, there is no university in the world that everybody can enter any time of the day and the night and stay in the university. So this is the first. Maybe Sorry. So? No, it's, um, it's a joke about another London university. And, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> so the second issue is that in Greek universities, there must be internal regulations. There is no university in Europe that has not its own revolution, uh, uh, regulation. So rules. What does it mean to be a professor? What does it mean to be a student? And if somebody does not respect the rules, he or she must have any penalty, some penalties, but not from the police, from the rectors, from the council, from the institutions of the university. So what we say, and it is so self-improvement, I mean, so, so common sense, but it, we don't have always common sense. It is to have internal rules for, for, any, for any kind of action. I mean, who enters, how do we finance, what are the rules of being a student, and this is the council, and this is the new model we propose. The council will be responsible for the implementation of a regulation, and there is no need of calling the police, who, of course, it's, I really felt ashamed to, to say that we need police in order to have an order in, in our universities. Now, uh, Professor, sorry, I didn't understand exactly your, uh, your question. Uh, you said uh, what I would like to be my legacy after 50 years for universities. But you, you, you linked it with European Union, and I didn't understand. So there is going to be, presumably, one out of European integration. There is going to be the United States of Europe. Yes. Uh, in, in that sense, a Greek university takes uh, uh, a different meaning. It competes with uh, German universities. I'll leave the British out because Britain doesn't want to follow that, uh, uh, that route. Uh, so anything you actually plan to do in terms of fees or anything else becomes relevant in the United uh, States of Europe. Uh, if uh, Europe takes another shape, then the Greek university will take another shape. All I'm trying to say is that everything we're trying to implement should have been discussed 20, 30 years ago. Are you going to have a meaningful discussion for the real future, 50 years uh, from now? You know, you went to Silicon Valley. They are thinking about the future. Today is the past. You know, uh, it, it doesn't really uh, matter anymore. Okay. okay. Uh, first of all, um, it doesn't mean that uh, because we have to think uh, for five, five, 50 years ahead, we are not obliged to see what we are going to do today. Uh, so today we have to be very concrete and to act as soon as possible, at least as my country is concerned. But on the other side, 
I don't agree that it will be uh, that European integration means that we will be something similar to European uh, uh, nations, to un unified nations of, uh, of Europe. Uh, the United States is something else, different culture, different history, different institutions. Europe is a very unique entity. And I believe that uh, European integration means that we can have a common economic policy. We can have a common monetary policy or, uh, or a, a common foreign policy. But of course, we could never have common education or social policy. And we can see it even in Germany. In Germany, from state to state, you can see different rules in universities. You can hear different universities. In Italy, you can see different universities in the north and in the south. So university is not a very concrete entity that we have to describe uh, point by point. Of course, there is, because in Europe we have nations, and this is the difference with the United States, and the culture, the history, the mentality, all these national characteristics, of course, are illustrated in universities as well. So we will have our identity. We are going to compete with German or British. Welcome. We really want very much Great Britain in integrated Europe. But it doesn't mean that we will not have our own system in the educational field. And then the, the last question was about uh, Greece's record with asylum seekers. Yes. Uh, you are right, and uh, I really uh, have the, the need to apologize for many things. But first of all, I would like to give you the situation that we face in our country. Greece is the only European country which has uh, common borders and sea borders with uh, Asia. So only from Greek islands, and you know that we have hundreds of small uh, islands, which cannot be, we, we cannot have police or army in all these hundreds of islands, we had thousands of illegal immigrants. The last two years, we had 130,000 illegal immigrants coming from Turkey. It was from Pakistan, Bangladesh, from Somalia, from many countries of the world where there is war and there is unrest. Think of a country like Greece, which is a small country with 10 million people, which has an entrance of 120,000 people suddenly, because it's something which happens the last six years. Before these last six years, there was, again, there was a problem of illegal immigrants, but there was not a storm like the one we have now. All these people, because of the... You, you will speak. Let me, let me finish and you will, uh, you will uh, react and then I, I can hear you. All these people enter Greece and you know very well that because of the European Common uh, Legislation and the Dub Dublin Agreement, we cannot allow them, we cannot make them legal, we cannot allow them to move on to other European countries. So, 
there is a real problem with people who enter the country, who cannot leave the country, and we cannot legalize them. Now, in, uh, in January, and after so many years, we changed the law. Now we have a new law for the uh, immigrants' uh, asylum, and it is the first time after 20 years that there are more than uh, I think there are 37 committees who work, who work day and night in order to examine the asylum seekers' applications and give up to the end of March, I believe, the first results. Okay. Sorry, Could you promised to follow yeah. up. Uh, yes, yes, I have no problem. Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, who Don't be ready to... <laughs> we are here to speak. <laughs> Can you wait for the microphone, please, because we're not going to hear uh. He was not an illegal immigrant, he was an asylum seeker, which is not the same thing. You have international obligations to legalize asylum seekers as soon as possible. Thank you. That's why... Uh, uh, do you comment on the fact that... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, can I ask... Uh, I reply again, can, please. Okay, um, okay. I'm so, excuse me, excuse me, we are having a question and answer session. No one is being denied the possibility. The only thing which is being denied is you interrupting the question. We've had a question. Can we have a response to the yes, comment which has been made? Uh, I think that I was quite clear. I said that we have a new law, and I said to you that it is already implemented. It has been uh, uh, passed from the Parliament in the first week of January, and it is already implemented, and up to the end of March, we're going to give the first uh, results, and there are so many committees who work together and examine all these uh, uh, papers of the asylum seekers. I explained to you, and I would like to, to think of that, that there are so many thousands of people, and they all uh, present themselves as asylum seekers. And there are thousands of them who do not uh, um, declare their identity. So there are so many that we don't know from where they are, they are uh, we don't know where they are from. And they know that they disappear their papers. So there is a whole industry, and you know very well this is one of the most big business, big black business in the world. And it is Greece which is in the door of all these problems. But we do our best, and as I told you, we have legislation after so many years of really nothing, doing nothing, and that's why I said that I apologize. Okay. <laughs> Could we take two more questions? Okay. If we can come back to education, which is the, the topic. Um, this uh, gentleman in the middle... <laughs> I'm sorry? Professor, please. If you, if, you allow me to, if you allow me to choose, first of all, I'm choosing the gentleman uh, up here, and then we'll take it, but get a life. Yes, the gentleman at the back, please. In the middle, at the, in the middle, at the back, yes. In the black. Hello, um, Yanis Kaplanis, member of staff, LSE. Uh, thank you for your interesting talk. 
I'd like to ask you, how do you plan to improve education uh, without money? And of course, you mentioned uh, the economic problems that uh, Greece has, and we all know. But Greece spends, uh, it's also an issue of uh, relative spending. And Greece spends less money than any other European country on education, and more money than any other European country on military expenses. Do you plan to change this balance? And I would like also to thank you for the invite for the Greeks who live abroad to come back to the country and help with the reconstruction that you are planning. But another issue for some of us is the compulsory military service, and it's an issue that held, uh, holds us okay. far. We are Thanks. running out of time. Let's just um, finish that. The question in the middle, uh, here then, please. Uh, the woman with the hand up here in the middle. One quick question. My name is Ilia Expolia. I would like to ask you about the number, the quantity of uh, the Greek uh, universities. You said something about uh, more than uh, 400 departments we have. Do you think, are you going to reconsider to merge maybe some of them? How many do we need? How many can we afford? Thank you. Okay. We, we're running out of time. If we could just have a couple of brief answers to those questions, then please, we must uh, finish. Uh, so the, I'm sorry, the first question, remind me. Can we have one more woman? <laughs> okay. Uh, the lady in the middle here, then, please. Your hair. Uh, it's you, oh, right. Thank you. Um, well, you mentioned how your uh, new reform... Sorry, your name? Oh, I'm sorry, Stefania Yorgakaku uh, from um, uh, PhD in economics and SOAS. Uh, you mentioned how your uh, new framework for research and development is going to make um, research um, a major contributor in Greece's recovery. Do you think that the uh, cut of funding for the State Scholarship Foundation that um, this year is not going to give out any scholarships for, uh, uh, for um, doctoral studies in Greece uh, due to the lack of funding, do you think this is consistent with your... What is this? I don't know. I'm sorry. The, the, no, it will yeah. give. No, no, it's not. And uh, on top of that, do you think that the fact that uh, the State Scholarship Foundation is not giving any scholarships for uh, doctoral studies in Greece, uh, don't you think that's quite the opposite of what you're trying to do to get Greeks back to Greece and not out of Greece? Okay. <laughs> do you want to answer the questions now, please? So you will. Uh, um, can you remind me the, the, the first question? I'm sorry. Yes, it's about... The, the, the first question was, tell me. Oh. Oh, yeah. How can you achieve educational targets in an era of austerity? Um, about... Um, First, let me give you a number about uh, the financing of universities. And uh, I will um, combine this with the question of the lady who asked how many universities we have. It is 1.3% of GDP for universities. Last year it was 1.5%. We are among the five first countries in the European Union concerning the, uh, the number, this number, as part of GDP. 
It doesn't mean that our universities have enough money. It means that we give enough money, but we do not have an effective allocation. When we have 25 universities in each small country, city of the country, we have 14 technological institutions, so 499, it means 500 departments, we need to make a better allocation of money, of resources, and this is exactly what we are going to do with the new plan. We have to merge departments, we have to merge schools, we have to merge universities. And it is not an easy task, but we know that if we don't do that, then we have many universities with no quality. Now, about the military, you, you referred to the military, uh, to, to the money for defense and uh, uh, comparing them with other countries. I, I would be the happiest person in the world to say that we don't give a penny for uh, defense uh, budget. But uh, do you know any other European country which has uh, real uh, threats as Greece has? What we are going to do, you don't know that. Maybe, maybe it is important to, to have a discussion about what are the particular problems that in the um, uh, Middle East and in Greece borders are. I believe that Greek students know it more or less. They agree or not, they don't agree. But it is true that there is a very specific situation concerning Greece and comparing with other countries. It is different Belgium, which is in the middle of Europe. It is different for Greece, which have common, uh, common uh, borders with Turkey, and which is a country where there, is, there are so many problems with Egypt now, and from countries, yeah, yes, because you know that we, have, we do not have, look, look. I have been, I have been, of course, student, and I was president in my school, and I, I was for many years a political personality in the youngster movement. When, and here, and this is exactly my point, that when we agree or disagree, I don't understand the laughter. I mean, can you? Do you have any arguments? I can stay here up to one o'clock in the morning. But please don't laugh with very serious thing for a nation, for a country, and for a people. Now, there was a, a last question uh, concerning the solar ships. Uh, there is a a change uh, in the way that Iki, uh, Iki uh, functions. Because again, we had many problems. But uh, uh, there are, that's why we have announced the postdoc project. And there, of course, there are medicine, there are, there are uh, solar ships, and there are subsidies for medicine. And we try to change the Iki approach, and we're going to have a consultation with students as well because uh, the results for years and years we have for ICI were not the results we wanted. 
So we are going to make it better. There we have the same amount of money as we had other years, but we'll change uh, the procedures. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yes. Thanks. We have come to the uh, conclusion for the evening's um, lecture and the, the discussion. Whatever our views, and it's normally the case that people wait, in actual fact, before our guest departs. Um, whatever the views, oh. okay. Can I ask the majority of the audience to thank our guest, to thank our guest for the lecture? Okay, thank you for, thank you, you've made your voice. Can I ask the audience to thank Mrs. Diamandipoula for the willingness to answer so many questions? And if it would remain a good time.